The Dance of Gods, Book One, Spell of Catastrophe, written and read by Mayor Alan Brenner. Chapter Sixteen, The Den of Askenyale. It is I, Gashanatantra, I said. The eye behind the viewing panel in the gate of Askenyale's complex blinked, screwed itself shut, then wobbled slightly as it opened and fixed itself on me again. Ah, uh, who was that? the lackey said. Gashanatantra, I said, affecting a note of testiness. Just a moment. The panel slid shut with a rasp. I glanced up the street and then down the street in the other direction. Still no gash, and the trickle of information in the back of my mind was silent. At the moment, it looked like I was on my own. The gate clanked from the other side and swung away from me. This way, the lackey said. He was wearing the same insignia I'd seen before, the twisty purple rope braid against a background of flames. I followed him across a small courtyard, through the open door in the front of the stone building I'd examined from the street, and through yet another open door at the other side of an enclosed entry hall. On my right was a large open room, the main worship center of the original temple, no doubt. A bunch of Askenyale's troops and a squad of regular guards spread out around the place were eyeing me with a collective look of surprise. The regular guardsmen were holding the two chained prisoners I'd seen them bring into the building a while before. Maybe the fact that the two guys were still alive and in apparently good shape meant that Askenyale had shaken off the bloodthirsty mood I'd seen earlier in the evening at Carl's, when he'd sucked that magician down to a mummy. If he had, I wouldn't complain. The lackey was pointing to the wall on my left, where another set of double doors were standing open. I strolled up to them and went through, and the doors were closed behind me. A fire burned at the far wall, roaring its way out of a massive walk-in grate. Hardwood panels lined the walls and wood of a slightly lighter grain ran in pegs and grooves on the floor. At my left, in the corner of the room, a circular staircase wound upward. Several leather-bound chairs with high backs and fluted armrests were grouped around an area rug in front of the fire. Standing in the midst of the chairs, with his back to the fire and his arms crossed on his chest, was Askenyale. Gashana Tantra, he said. His voice had the same chilling boom, but he wasn't trying that trick with the black aura. Not yet, anyway. Askenyale, I said. I started him for a beat, then lifted one eyebrow and moved toward the chairs. He fell back one footstep as I approached, watched me sink into the most comfortable-looking chair, his mouth slightly open, and then reached behind him to lower himself into another chair across the rug from me. I sat the iron-shod tip of the walking stick on the floor between my feet and rested my hands on the handle, the fingers interlaced. Askenyale and I scrutinized each other. At last we meet, he said. Indeed, I said. Your aura is an aura of power, yet you have not chosen a very inspiring aspect, if I may be allowed the boldness. You may, I said, for the time being. Later on we shall see. I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it myself. Askenyale swallowed nervously. Askenyale? Maybe my instincts hadn't been totally bonkers after all. 
maybe Gashana Tantra really was bigger fry than him. And he thought I was Gashana Tantra. One of my early mentors had once told me, when you can't think of anything else to try, go for the most audacious thing in sight, then don't give up. You wouldn't believe some of the things you can get away with as long as you keep on the move. In fact, I'd already made it past one of my biggest fears. It had occurred to me that I might walk through the door and find Gash himself sitting there, having a pleasant conversation with Askaniale. So, I continued, you are trying to set up a little operation for yourself. It is as you see. We must all have our little operations. So they say, I said, yet an operation can be a delicate thing with many factors to consider. For one thing, there is the question of turf, of setting up one's operation in territory that belongs to another. I need no lesson in etiquette from you, Askinyale said. He was trying to project a note of bravado, but frankly I thought it sounded a bit hollow. Perhaps you do, I said, judging by your situation. For myself, I was trying to make my speech patterns match what I thought gashes might be like in the present situation. It was turning out not to be as hard as I'd expected, and that worried me. I had a suspicion that the metabolic link thing might be warping my personality, too, by contaminating it with Gash's own. One must be wary of irritating others, I went on, unless one is particularly looking for a confrontation. This city is free ground. I have irritated no one. Have you not? Your ambition is vast, your plots spreading, yet your coverage of details remains faulty and weak. You have no idea who you have antagonized. You, I said, going with my hunch, you are improvising without the slightest idea of what you are really doing. I owe you no explanations. Success is its own best explanation. Unfortunately, even that is not an option in your case. Your position here is becoming very shaky. Jackals gather at your feet. Do you not hear them? Now, the gray of his face went two shades paler. It looked like I was hitting home, but I wasn't even sure what I was talking about. There is still an explanation, Askaniale said, the incompetence of Carr notwithstanding. A god must have a power base. A god. Yes, a god. You, Gashana Tantra, are certainly a god, but I, Askin Yale, am equally so a god. I thought the way he put that was pretty interesting, like perhaps he'd only recently stepped up to being a god himself. That was right along the lines of the theory I had been starting to develop. It was time for another part hunch and two parts bluff. Indeed, I said. Yet it is interesting that you should set up your headquarters in such a place, a temple once devoted to another god. It is interesting. Indeed, no, disquieting may be a better word. To appropriate the fruits of the labors of one of your betters in such a fashion hints of poor taste. Especially so, here it came, my next big salvo, when done by one such as yourself, one so new to the Brotherhood. Askinyale frowned. It is said that those worthy enough to take power are worthy enough to hold power. One holds power as one desires. This is a tenet of the Brotherhood. I leaned back and crossed my legs. He'd gone for it. At least I thought he had. Yet do you know who you have aggrieved by the taking of this temple? 
Power is held by worth, yes indeed, but also by the sufferance of one's peers. It is never good to seek their wrath. Whose temple? Askinyale said. And whose wrath? The temple and the wrath are one and the same, and the bodies in the convenient storage area next door, the cemetery of the temple, that you are even now hoping to use to further your pitiful plans, they are the same as well. They belong to this same someone. They are a reserve of material for such as you, for such as you, but not for you yourself. You are, I said, now really warming to my role, you are a clever upstart, clever but not wise, not wise with the cunning of years and the knowledge of your place. I tried to put a boom and the roll of dark thunder into my own voice. You wish to know whose ground this is? Then know you for a certainty that this ground is mine. His jaw dropped. It actually dropped. But you, but this, mine. And you use it by my sufferance, a commodity now growing increasingly scarce. I shot a steer at him. Out of the corner of my vision, something else caught my attention. The gold ring on the middle finger of his left hand. The black aura that clung to his form like a faint mist still seemed tied to the ring. In fact, now that I looked, Oskin Yahweh seemed to be wearing the aura in the same way he was wearing the ring. Wearing it, not generating it himself. The ring glinted in the firelight as I started to shift my gaze back away from it. Glinted... Wait a minute. That wasn't all. The ring was moving. The ring was twisting on Oskin Yale's finger by itself, turning slowly one way, then the other, trying to gradually slide its way up the finger toward its first joint, screwing itself deliberately off his hand. Oskin Yale reached across with his other hand and absent-mindedly pushed the ring back down his finger. I raised an eyebrow, and then he suddenly realized where I'd been looking. He closed his good eye, the skin of his face wrinkling around it in a grimace of pain. The ring, he said. Yes, the ring, I said. Indeed, yes, the ring. Tell me now tales of this ring. Why do you toy with me? Askinyale said, his eyes still closed. Issue your judgment and let us be done with it. I toy with you as is my pleasure. Tell me of this ring. He wet his lips. If he was operating out of his depth, like I'd figured, then by pretending to be one of the big boys, I'd suspect that I might be able to intimidate him into going belly up. By now, I was pretty sure he wasn't really a god. He was just an imposter. He wasn't a god. He was a necromancer. A human necromancer. How competent, I didn't know. But he sure wasn't fast enough on his feet to be too hot an operator. He hadn't run his game well enough before, and he was folding too easily now. He'd gotten by so far through bluster and flinging his power around, and he knew there wasn't anybody else there who could fight him, and by cowing people into doing his work for him. Well, now I'd managed to intimidate him. I'd badgered him onto the defensive, and as long as he stayed there, it looked like I might get out of this thing in one piece. I might be okay, that is, as long as he didn't force me to prove I was who I said I was. This ring, Askinyale said slowly, is mine. You may wear the ring, but that does not make it yours. And do not tell me it was a birthday present, either. I have heard that one before. 
He paused again, thinking. I was thinking, too, or I'd have kept the pressure on him. If he wasn't a god, the big question at the moment was where he'd gotten the power of a god. It looked to me like the ring was the key. If somebody's power was in their aura, and the black aura that seemed to be the manifestation of Oskin Yale's godlike abilities was tied to the ring, then it was only logical to conclude that the ring was the source of that power. The problem was I didn't know anything about the abilities of the ring itself, and only a little about the capabilities of Oskin Yale wearing it. Eventually, I was going to have to try to take Askinyale out, me with only Gishana Tantra's crotchety sword and my old wits to fall back on, and I wanted to have a better idea of what I'd have to face. The ring passed to me only recently, Askinyale said reluctantly. It was part of a deal, and now it is mine. The ring fits only one wearer, its first wearer, and its power becomes the power of the owner. The power of the ring is now my power. I am the one to be reckoned with. You are not the one to decide that, I said. You would match my power, my power, against the power of a ring? Not enough to be a fool? You must have lost your reason as well. I meant no provocation. I seek your pardon. We will see about that, too, when I have heard the truth. You mention a deal. There is more to this deal than you wish me to suspect. Such a ring is a greater reward than your cunning would deserve. It must have been intended for another, yes? What are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. At least I hoped he did. I still wasn't sure I did. I was still pushing the hunch and the bluff, but as I did, something was starting to click. And then I thought I had it. Oskin Yale mumbled something to himself. Then he said, I cannot speak of it. You mean you do not wish to speak of it? You do not wish to speak, because to speak you would have to tell me of your treason, your double-cross against the one whose creature you are. He looked at me, wheels turning in his brain, and then suddenly his face went even whiter, and his eyes snapped open in shock, and sweat burst out on his skin. You, he said, it was you all along. You were the one I never saw. The ring is not yours, I said, in my tone of ruin. The ring is mine. This is why I know you. That is why I have been here in Rusingulvaya, watching you, seeing your plans, learning your failures, assembling your doom. Inside, I'd gone cold. I was reacting to him, making things up as I went along, following his hints and his lead, but what I'd stumbled onto had the taste of truth. Even if it wasn't true, at the moment it was enough that Oskin Yale believed it. This thing with the ring had been a real god's plot in the first place, and Oskin Yale, the necromancer, had been working for him. He'd been working for him, but he hadn't known the identity of his boss. Whatever the plan had been, the ring was the thing the god was supposed to get out of it, to help him increase his own power, no doubt, except Oskin Yale had pulled a fast one and kept the ring for himself. That much I felt pretty sure of now. The leap I'd made was in saying that the god Yali had been working for was really Gishana Tantra. But it made sense. Yali had double-crossed Gash, and now Gash was using me as his surrogate to track down Yali. I was supposed to dispose of Oskin Yali, and then Gash would show up and pocket the ring. Only I didn't think it would be quite that simple. I couldn't see someone like Gash giving up the chance for a real meaty revenge against an upstart menial like Yale.
and I didn't think the real Gash was going to be too pleased if he found out I'd gone imposter myself, and that I'd compounded the insult by figuring out what was going on. Even if I was wrong about Gash's role, it only made things worse. Oscar Yale could have been working for somebody else entirely, and Gash had merely stumbled onto the setup himself. In that case, whoever Yale had double-crossed was still out there, and I'd have not only one very powerful and very nasty customer to contend with, but two. The one thing that looked certain was the ring. Whoever was out there, they'd want the ring. Oscar Yale had said that the ring would only work for the original wearer, but that was the kind of restriction a smart technician could usually get around. Yeah, they'd want the ring, all right. Everybody would want the ring. At the moment, though, Oscar had the ring. And I had Oscar But I didn't want him to panic. If he tried anything at all, anything desperate, the chance that I wouldn't be able to handle it was excellent. I tightened my glare on him. Yet you still may have your uses, I said. Your doom is not immutable. I can avert the harsh decree. You are still toying with me. No, I will give you your chance. You will take it if you have the sense. What must I do? What do you think? First, the ring. He sighed. Yes, very well. He grasped the arms of his chair and rose reluctantly to his feet. Will you have me just yank it off, or will you allow us more prudent precautions? Since we are at our leisure here, precautions are a reasonable step. Make no rash assumptions, though. Remember that I know your perfidy. You are on parole, and I will be vigilant. Oscar Yale looked at me, his expression of sudden hope shadowed by the cast of fear. He gave a stiff nod. My workroom is up the stairs. I rose from my own chair, taking the grip of the walking stick in my right hand. Oscar Yale moved ahead of me toward the circular staircase in the corner of the room. I took a breath and followed him. My foot was on the first riser, and I was beginning to allow myself tentative congratulation for actually pulling this thing off when the skin under my collar began to squirm. Faintly, very faintly, I caught the hint of a larger, different space, being perceived through other senses than my own. A new awareness stirred in the back of my mind. I'd had a feeling a little like this once in a jungle, when something that had been watching me had looked away, and then it suddenly turned in my direction again. Maybe my senses were sharper now than they'd been earlier in the day, or maybe I'd just been something else. Either way, I'd been afraid of this sensation. I didn't know how great my chance was of explaining to Gash why I was running around impersonating him, let alone telling him what I'd found out, but I wouldn't have bet more than an ool on me myself. I'd been hoping I wouldn't have to find out. Unfortunately, all of a sudden it looked like I wouldn't have the luxury of the choice. The presence hovered there in the back of my mind, watching, listening, waiting. The bit of awareness that was trickling through reeked of surprise. It couldn't believe what it was sensing. It couldn't believe what I was up to. The wheel had just advanced, and I had the unpleasant feeling I knew who was rolling under the tread. I may have had Askin Yale, but now it looked like Ashana Tantra had me. The handle of the walking stick started to vibrate in my hand. My body was still mine, but who knew how long that would last? I thought I was already feeling some resistance in my limbs. 
I hurried my next steps on the stairs. Ascanyale was almost a half-turn above me, approaching the exit to the room on the next story. You wanted me to get him. Well, I'm getting him, I thought desperately to myself. Do you have any idea of the full power of this ring? Ascanyale said. I mumbled something in response. Ascanyale paused and turned on the steps, but by the time he could see me I had managed to put on a stern face, and the walking stick yanking my arm in a spasmodic dance was on the other side of my body from him. He stared down at me, I stared up at him, and then he turned back and headed up. I went after him. I was five or six steps behind when the sword decided to flame on. The fact that I'd thought Gash might try to talk directly to the sword didn't help me at all. Sparks spraying on the risers as the sword condensed out of its cloud. The sword whipped my arm up and around and threw me forward in a lurch. I would have dropped the sword, but my fingers were locked in a rictus around the hilt. Hoskin Yale's head was already through the entrance in the ceiling, his hand ahead of him on the railing, not nearly far enough ahead of me to get out of the way. His head started to spin and incline downward in my direction as he heard the sudden whine of the sword, and then my shoulder went into the back of his knee. The sword cut through his arm and into his side with a spray of shooting fire, like hot metal being beaten on a forge, and Askin Yale began to fold toward the floor. His head snapped hard against the solid wooden railing, flipping him over, and the sword pulled free with a wet slurp. Something flashed against the corner of my vision overhead, making a quick zoop-spring sound, but I was busy with other things. The sword was moving in again. Askin Yali's body had fallen half on the floor of the second-story room, half stretched downward on the stairs, and I was sprawled along the upper steps across his legs. I got my left hand braced against my right forearm, trying to drag the sword off its trajectory and embed it into the floor, but it was no longer bothering with distractions from the likes of me. Ahead of my face, I could see Askin Yale's drooping eyelid, the eye behind lolling low in its socket. It focused on me as the tip of the sword began to scrape toward him through the wood of the floor. His flesh seemed to flow toward the blade in slow, liquid waves. You are not Kishana Tantra, Askin Yale said. No, I said around my clenched teeth, and you weren't death either, so maybe that makes us even. The ring on his hand was spinning frantically now, a wisp of friction-raised smoke rising from the finger around it, and vague blue figures were forming in the air above us. The black aura was alive with shimmering highlights and eager snapping sparks. In fact, tendrils of aura seemed to have wrapped themselves around the sword blade, pulling it closer. I threw my weight against the sword one last time to force it back. Then, all at once, as I had known it would, the sword tore clear of the floor and threw me to the side and dove deep into the torso of Oscan Yale. He made a horrible gurgling sound and went rigid. I'm sorry, I started to say, but beyond us in the room was a flash of motion and another unexpected voice yelling over mine, Don't touch that ring! My thought and my action came in the same instant. My thought was, Kishana Tantra, he's here! My action was plain. I wrapped my hand around the gold ring and yanked it clear of Oscan Yale's finger. Next is Chapter 17, Counterplots and Counterspells.